0: This is episode 39 with Jess Bubico. Welcome to this episode of Manifest Miracles, where I am diving into all things intuition with my guest, Jess Bubico. Jess is the founder of Love Your Woo and is an intuitive development teacher. In this episode, we are talking about how to really connect intuition and inspired action. I'm sharing examples, real life examples of how not listening to my intuition has manifested into situations that you might find relevant for your life. We're also diving into a little bit of human design and Jess is really explaining to us how we can use this amazing, very robust map to understand ourselves and the way that our energy can show up as the fullest, most maximum expression. So really how to use this map, this system to your benefit. So tune in if you are ready to learn some tools and some perspective shifts to help you connect to your intuition on a deeper level to live a life that feels more like flow and ease rather than this like constant sensation of tension. And I know that that is something we all want, right? (laughs) So a little bit more about Jess. Jess believes in a world where the woo is no longer taboo and your weird is your greatest wisdom. Jess is a speaker and teacher who brings this ideology to life through illuminating how you are uniquely designed to create in the world while empowering your intuition as your faithful guide. Jess teaches intuitive development classes to awaken your intuitive gifts to support yourself and others. Connect with Jess at Loveyourwoo.com. Jess, welcome to manifest miracles. Hi, hi, hi. How are
1: you? I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me here. How are you?
0: I'm good. It's been a day of getting one kid to one place, the other kid to another place, early dismissals, all that kind of stuff. So I'm happy to be here with you having an adult conversation.
1: I can imagine. I don't have kids, but I can imagine how that goes.
0: It's fun. It's also got its highs and its lows. So <laughs> Totally.
1: Uh-huh. Yep, I hear you.
0: <laughs> yeah, Yeah. So happy to be here with you talking all things woo and weird and intuitive and magic. So let's talk a little bit about this idea, this concept of woo and how mainstream has kind of tried to like take this term and make it seem silly or frivolous or nothing to be of like true concern or significance, but that is actually quite far from the truth. Let's talk about that and break that down a little bit.
1: Totally. You know, as you were just talking, something came to mind that I didn't really realize until you just said it. And I started doing intuitive work back in probably 2013, 2014 was when my spiritual path started in terms of intuitive work. I feel like 2012 was the year everybody like woke up, you know, a lot of people, right. It was Mm just like a lot of people woke up. And I think 2013, 2014 was when I started to go down this path of going, what's here? Like, what is this intuition stuff? And you know, we can talk about it later in terms of like actually tuning into people who had crossed over, things like that. But something I realized as you just said, this is that when I came out and started doing intuitive readings, I was a speech therapist. I am still a speech therapist, but I was a practicing speech therapist, you know, when I first started out in my career. And I just remember people would ask me what I was doing. And I remember feeling that sense of a little bit of shame and embarrassment come up every time somebody would be like, what do you do? Because that's inevitably what people always ask you, you know, small talk. And what I realized is when we, when I launched this new business called Love Your Woo, it was really sort of this act of going, yeah, we need to make the woo less taboo. It's becoming less taboo, but I needed to be able to, for myself, have a conversation with somebody and almost be able to be playful about it and have a playful conversation where we can say, Yeah, the businesses love your woo. Well, what does that mean? What is the woo? You know, and and how can we bring it into playful terms where it's not so heavily loaded where people aren't backing away, being like, what do you do? What are you talking about? I think woo-woo, you know, as it's been termed by a lot of people, I think it's becoming more mainstream. I think people are starting to drop their defenses around it. Like it's becoming more normalized in a lot of ways. But to me, it's an experience that everybody has, you know, everybody has had some kind of connection, has some kind of connection with energy, whether they call it prayer, whether they call it moon rituals, whether they call it just kind of having like ESP, just like having a feeling about something. I think everybody has a connection to it. It's just, what's the way in which they connect with it? What's the language that they use to sort of speak about that phenomenon for themselves?
0: You teach intuitive development, and I have a really funny example. Well, it's funny now, but it wasn't funny when it would happen example of just how severed I was from. Acting upon my intuition. So I diagnosed myself, I gave myself an official diagnosis of menu anxiety. And so, like, every time I would go to a restaurant, I would know what I want. But then it was this whole inner dialogue of like, huh, but I can't get that. And like, oh my God, I wonder what, like, what's he getting? What's she getting? What are they getting? And like, how does that all interact? And literal anxiety over ordering something off the menu. And like, but when I sat down, Even like before I sat down, I knew what I wanted, you know? And then it's this whole deluge of like ifs and buts. And oh my gosh, the waiter would come up and I would black out and be like, well, I'll have this. I didn't even know what I ordered. And then it would come and I was like, damn it. Why, you know, why didn't I just get the mashed potatoes? (laughs) Right. Why did I get this weird salad? But that's just like a very real life example of how. Hard it used to be for me to just act on internal knowingness. And that internal knowingness is what we refer to as intuition, right? Intuition, I think some people get a little bit confused that intuition has to be this like, this voice that we hear, this like, ah moment, you know, but it's as simple as being like, I want this on the menu. You know, it's just this voice that's this guiding. Compass, this knowingness that doesn't have to be explained or rationalized, or sometimes it can't even be rationalized. You know, totally. but yeah, I'd love to kind of just talk about examples of how intuition can show up in our lives, and and on the flip side of what it looks like when we're not acting upon our intuition, kind of like me and my menu anxiety,
1: totally, <laughs> which I don't
0: have anymore. I'm proud to Good. say, yes. <laughs> I've overcome, I've recovered.
1: I also feel like menu anxiety is like a real thing for a lot of people. I feel like people are gonna respond to this this episode and be like, I also have menu anxiety. (laughs) And I'm so glad that you've now named it. So I love what you're saying. There's many layers to this. And I like to think about intuition in this way of, there's probably some technical term for it, but this is the way I understand it. sort of like through my Jess Babaco lens of intuition. Which is, there's like body intuition, like inside of my body, knowing myself, even my physiology, what it wants to eat, what tastes it's wanting to have, what my yes is, what my no is. And then there's this other layer of intuition, which to me has a lot to do with this connection to divine energy, this connection to, like you're saying, having a vision about something to come in the future. Or for example, you know hearing a message or feeling a loved one who's crossed over i think that there's different ways i've heard people talk about instincts versus intuition versus reactions that our nervous system may be having old trauma in the moment and i agree with you i think every single person receives intuition just a little bit differently and when i speak about intuition, I do think that some of, if we look at it from more of a societal perspective, a lot of people do think that it's in order to have quote intuitive gifts, it has to be like the sixth sense, you know, like you see something that clearly and that distinctly, or, you know, you're Teresa Caputo, the Long Island medium, and you're Having this experience of like, you know, walking past somebody at the Italian deli and you're like, I can't breathe, (laughs) you know, whatever it is. The truth is, intuition and the way that messages come in for all of us, we're always connected. We're always connected to this sort of quantum field, to each other, to the energy around us.
0: We're all very telepathic beings,
1: all of us. It is inherent. It is our birthright. Totally. And people, I think when we start to slow down and pay attention and get curious, we start to see it because intuition, when we're even looking at this connection, maybe with other people or the energy around us, it's such fast moving information that sometimes it comes into our awareness and leaves it our awareness in a split second of time, you know?
0: And it's so easy. So simple. Like receiving our yes. intuition is like, it's so easy. It's not this big Act. I mean, maybe rebuilding our relationship with intuition isn't, you know, it's more of a process if we've severed ourselves from it. But once that channel is open, which are unclogged, receiving that intuition is, is so, it's so easy that it's, it can almost be overlooked because we as humans have a tendency to think that only complicated and complex is real and simple and easy is like, we don't even notice it.
1: Totally. And also the mind is so much noisier and it sticks around for longer. Like what you're talking about with menu anxiety, right? Like, you know what you want and it comes in and it tells you in this maybe like gentle way. And then in the next five seconds, your mind is way louder and it's bringing up emotion with it. Maybe a little bit of anxiety, all these things, whereas your intuition spoke to you in a very clear and calm way. So, Mm when we look at intuition in the different ways that we all receive it, you know, we've got number one clairvoyance, which is clear seeing. So that ability to see an image in your mind's eye and maybe for you, again, if you were to tune into it, what you realized is actually, as I was walking up to the, the restaurant and I knew what I wanted, when I actually really slow it down and think about how it came in, I wanted this faro summer salad and I actually saw it in my mind. That's a a form of clairvoyance. It doesn't have to be a crazy dream that you had or something that you're able to see, but it just might be that, wow, actually what I want comes to me in pictures and I don't even realize it. Then we've got clairaudience, which is that ability to hear clearly and hear a message drop. in. so it may have been like, you just hear in your head, like far summer salad, right. Mm-hmm. Or claircognizance where you just know it. You're like, you're just walking in. You're like, I don't know. I just know it. This is what my body wants and clairsentience, which is just like getting a feeling. And so you might have this feeling in your body of like, when you actually eat that faro summer salad and how it makes you feel, you know, you might actually go and be like walking towards the restaurant and you're feeling that feeling and that sensation or maybe the tastes that come along with it. When we start to tune into the subtleties, it's yeah. How, how is this information coming in for me? It doesn't have to be some kind of crazy vision I have, but what is the way in which I am experiencing intuition in this moment for myself?
0: And mine, I would definitely say, is clairsentience first, for sure. It's just this deep knowingness. And when I do, you know, channeled readings for people, it's not visions. I'm not like hearing anything in my inner ear. It is just all of a sudden this very deep knowingness that comes so, so, so fast. Mm-hmm. And I have to my mind, my ego, I have to completely get out of the way and just allow this channel to fully, fully just move through, move through, move through. And our intuition does the same. But I think for many of us who are clairsentient, it's even harder to accept as our spiritual gift because there's no cool vision. There's no like whisper in the inner ear. There's not even a zing in our body. It's just a knowingness, a knowingness, a knowingness, which is amazing. It can be hard to notice, you know? So for anybody out there listening who you just know things and you know them so damn fast, like don't discredit that. And I will say like what you said, the intuition is fast, but the clatter and the chatter is also fast. And it it can come up right after that intuitive knowingness. And then you kind of like talk yourself out of it because you're listening to the chatter clatter. And then like a month later or a week later or a day later, you're like, damn, like I actually knew. And then I convinced, I convinced myself to go against that knowingness. That was, even if it was a shred, like two seconds of that knowingness, you knew it was there. It was there.
1: Totally.
0: How do we build in this space between that quick knowingness? And then the, the ego, the convincing, the analysis, the rationalization, how do we build that space to say, Ooh, mm -mm," like, no, yeah, (laughs) not today.
1: You know, I was listening to your podcast earlier today when you did um, the solo episode on stagnancy. Mm -hmm. And I love how you talk about Kundalini yoga and this ability to be able to work with the mind and notice the mind and build up these practices to have greater stamina with maybe the windiness of the mind or like, Mm. you know, the, the way that the mind moves. I feel as though it's sort of a multifaceted answer, right? It would be really nice. When are the times when we often want our intuition the most it's in the moments when we're having the most turbulence Mm -hmm. in our lives, Mm -hmm. right? It's the moments when we go, I'm having a fight with my partner and I don't know what to do. What do I do, right? And your nervous system is freaking out perhaps, or it's it's really activated, not freaking out, but it's activated. Or in the moments when you're facing a big decision, that's often when we want to have the ability to call on our intuition and we do have that ability. I think that number one, tracking is a really good thing to do for ourselves of when I've had intuition in the past. And I've also had the storminess or the turbulence of the mind. What did the mind feel like? What did the intuition feel like? And then I always say, you know, let's say your intuition says to you, leave your job. Like it's time for you to leave. And the mind comes in and goes, you can't leave. It's safe. It's secure. How will you make money? How will you eat? You will, you know, you'll be on the street if you, if you leave your job. And then you don't leave. And then in the next six months, you start having even more turbulence with your boss and then you get fired, right? Or let go or whatever it may be. And then you have no other choice but to actually leave the job. The question is, what was that voice or that feeling or that knowingness or that, yeah, physical feeling in your body? What was that like? How did it come in? How did it show up for you? How did, did signs start showing up in the environment around you? And then what did the noisiness of the mind sound like? What did it say? Was it in your voice? How did that come up for you? Was it in somebody else's voice? Was it the replay of what you heard from childhood? So I think if we can come into a practice of noticing and observing, that's a really beautiful thing because that's going to give us a lot of information and almost historical data around how we have received intuition throughout our lives and what often happens when we don't follow it. And then I think the other thing that we can learn to do on top of that is build these practices in, whether it's Kundalini yoga, I do a lot with brain spotting, which is another technique to help clear trauma from your nervous system, whatever these things are to continue to support ourselves in healing, because Whether you're in the practice of manifesting something in your life, or you are in the practice of following your intuition, the stickiness is always going to come up from the surface. That's why we progress and we evolve, I believe, so that we can heal and we can clear that which is no longer serving us so we can evolve along our process. So I think continuing to get curious where it's, I don't think the goal is ever to eradicate the mind or eradicate Mm -hmm. the ego, because if we didn't have the ego, we would touch the, you know, stove that's piping hot Mm -hmm. or walk towards Mm -hmm. the fire Mm -hmm. and into the fire or whatever it may be, non-metaphorically speaking. So I don't think that the purpose is to get rid of it. I think it's to learn to integrate it Mm -hmm. and to use the ego as many people say, to be able to serve the intuition and to start just every time you have a decision to make, every time you face a challenge to just go, can I let my intuition lead me 1% more today than it did yesterday? Can I start to play with that knowingness that I have and shrink my fear by 1% every step of the way?
0: Beautiful. Oh gosh. All of that pure gold. Thank you. And listening to you, something that's coming up for me is that my intuition, my knowingness is not a big firework. It is not this display, this, it's, it's, it's just, it's kind of like breathing. It's just there, but I know, I know. And then the ego feels like an energy of proving and convincing. So quick story. Several years ago, I was looking for a business coach and I had a call scheduled and this person, this individual was late to the call and I am a very punctual person. (laughs) And I understand that some people aren't, that's totally fine, but this person was late to the call and I immediately knew this is not for me. That's okay nothing against this person, but this is not for me. And then this person got on the call and I got off the call and was like, Hmm, okay. Like, and then I started convincing myself, you know, and I ended up like moving forward against that intuitive knowingness at the very, very split second. It was just this very like deep, just like, no, mm -mm," you know, and it was like a, a sign which triggered this intuitive knowingness. But yeah, it wasn't this big, like body jolting, like, no, don't do that. You know, it was just no. Later on, I, uh, I looked back. <laughs> I looked back. It was like, oh, intuition. I'm sorry I didn't listen. But for me personally, and if anybody out there listening, maybe this will serve you. Yeah, it's this energy of where you're trying to prove to yourself, convince out of that very gentle, very gentle. Knowing this, you know, and for me, I will say me going against my intuition results usually in one of two scenarios and that is energetic depletion mm-hmm. or financial stress.
1: Yes. <laughs> it's oh either one of those
0: two things, you know, and that's yes. usually how my intuition is like,
1: told you so. (laughs) We just had to like doubly make, you know, via financial stress and just completely burning yourself out. I love this. And you know, it's really neat. I don't, I'm sure you experience this too, but I feel like I've done a lot of podcasts and worked with a lot of people. And it's really neat to see how every time you have a conversation with somebody, something new comes out and there's something new to be learned. And What I love about this conversation is this idea that a lot of the times our intuition speaks once, and sometimes it's kind of glaring and it might come multiple times over and over again, but often it's the intuition and then it's the ego that rushes in afterwards to share its commentary and what it has to say. I'll give an example too, is that I had something that a challenge literally today And I went and I sat outside and my knowingness, I was like, I'm going to take care of this challenge in this way, which was what my head was telling me. And every time I thought about doing it in this way, my body felt actually even more stressed. And so I finally came to this realization today of like, I can't deal with it in X way. Like I actually got confirmation. I literally can't deal with it in that way. And then I was like, I actually am just going to surrender. Like there's actually nothing I can do. And this like immense peace came over me. And of course the mind came in, right? Well, you know, to to talk exactly right. Like you can't just surrender. That's not going to be, that's That's not going to work. Very
0: Irresponsible of you. So
1: irresponsible. (laughs) But what was really cool was that a process that I really like to use, and I'll be curious your thoughts on this because you talk so much about manifesting. I actually used to have a podcast called manifest your best life, like a couple of years ago and it changed names and stuff. I was like big on the manifestation train in a a different kind of way than I am now, but in human design, which we'll talk about in a little bit exactly what human design is, but there is a thought process that when we, we interface with the quantum field to create things in our life is actually through asking questions and then calibrating our emotions right? So maybe I'm asking this question, if I'm going, all right, intuition, what do I do about my job? And I'm like, I don't know what to do, but I'm thinking to myself, I don't know what to do about my job. I should, should I do this? Should I do that? Instead we go, what would be my highest and best interest in this job? That's going to serve me and allow me to truly be within, you know, my gifts and whatever it may be. And then we start to feel gratitude, right? We feel that elevated emotion. Like we hear everyone talk about, you know, feeling an elevated emotion, and then what happens is we have something called a magnetic monopole in our body and that's a one directional magnet and what happens is our body calibrates that magnetic monopole to pull towards us what we need amazing and our intuition yeah like our intuition starts to speak to us and so i'm sitting at this like really beautiful lake down the street i have this problem like in my head, tried to figure out and my intuition spoke and was like, it's actually just going to be okay. Like you just need to surrender. The mind starts to come in. And I was like, I'm going to use my mind in the way that it is intended to be used. Mm. And I just sat and I asked the question, I was like, how can this situation work out for my highest good? And this like peace rushed over me. And when I got home, and this is where I think we can use our environment as well to sort of support our intuition. When I got home, we have dubs where I live you know, you'll see one or two of them hanging out together. There were seven doves sitting oh on this like fence right where I parked my car. And I was like, when do you ever see seven the doves? the heavens
0: came down Ex- upon <laughs> you and said
1: peace. And literally like the heavens are, or the dove is about peace. I'm like, right, this is exactly totally. what my, oh my intuition gosh. was telling me. So, okay. Thank you. I have a question.
0: Yeah. So are you saying we don't actually have to answer the question. We just have to ask the
1: question. That is correct.
0: And what a beautiful sigh of relief that is that we don't have to figure everything out. We just have to get clear with the questions that we're asking. And you, this is an example of a prayer that I use. And one of the questions that you asked is, just show me the path of my highest good and the highest good of all. What would be good? What would be best for my highest good, the highest good of all? Just show me the way, just show me the way. And that can be just such a simple, potent, powerful question. But I love, I love, love, love how you've shared instead of affirming to ourselves, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. It's just, what can I do? And then trusting and this magnetism within you, like you have your own little, homing signal. You're like bat signal. That's like,
1: bring yep. it
0: in, bring it in. I love that.
1: Totally. And you know, when I teach intuitive development to me, intuitive and development is not about being Houdini and being like able to go to a party and do like a cool party trick. To me, it's about learning and training ourselves I've done a little bit of kundalini yoga, not a lot. So I I don't want to use any sort of like analogy between the two that I can say, like they're exactly the same because it's not. But to me, it's this like training ground. When I go in and do a reading of raising my energy and my vibration to the energy of universal love. Mm -hmm. And in that energy of universal love, that is the energy that the universe speaks. And when I can be in that space, I can have access to anything within the quantum field i always have access but to me it's that training of how do i tap in and tune in kind of like that practice of even i'm sure with kundalini yoga when stuff comes up and you're like no i'm i'm going to stick with this mm-hmm. and i'm going to continue to connect here and even when we're somebody's doing an intuitive reading for example the way that i'll teach it is like you have to ask a question because a lot of the times people will go they'll see a teapot and they'll go, I don't know what this means, but I'm seeing a teapot. And it's like, hold on, what does this mean? Oh, okay. It means you need to actually be able to like pour from your cup and like mm-hmm. take your time. And there's, and-
0: a, there's a dance. It's not, exactly. we're not always given the answer in its fullest, most robust form. It's, it's a dance. We're given these hits and nudges and images and knowings and that lead us on a path that will bloom and blossom. Okay. Let's get into a little bit of human design because I have said many times that for me, my intuitive knowing is this gut feeling where I just know. Mm-hmm. And then my makeup is no, and then go, and nothing's going to stop me unless I do. And in human design, I am a generator. Right? Yes. So let's talk a little bit about that. And you looked up my human design before our call, right?
1: Yes. And I love, I've never heard that terminology before, but with your permission, I would love to use know and go with my sacral generators. That's the first time I've used it too. It's like (laughs) that was good. (laughs) It's like literally perfect. Okay. So let's back up a little bit for anybody who doesn't know what human design is. Human design is a system, it's called the science of differentiation. And it was brought through this man named Ra who That was not his original name, it was Robert. And he brought this system through in the late 80s. This system, it came to him through this like very mystical experience. If anybody feels called to check it out on YouTube, the story of how he downloaded human design is wild, but it was definitely like a very mystical experience. So this system is essentially a map to your energy system and how your energy system runs. It's kind of the mechanics of your aura and your energy field. It pulls together the Chinese I Ching, the Judaic Kabbalah, the Hindu chakra system, quantum physics, and astrology. So we're looking at this map when we you put in basically your time of birth, your date of birth, and your place of birth, and it brings up this map. And instead of being a seven-centered being you know, with the seven chakras, it's a nine-centered being. So it's just a little bit different. So human design, there are five archetypes in human design. There is the manifester, the manifesting generator, the generator, the reflector, and the projector. Every type can manifest. doesn't matter if you're a manifester or not. It just speaks to how your energy operates. When we look at a manifester, a manifester is here to initiate. I am a manifester. We have this energy that's like you get a download and you go different than the way that you do. But It's kind of like we're here to initiate, get the ball rolling, move energy. The manifesting generator and the generator, I don't always think they should really be clumped together in one category, but oftentimes we hear people talk about the generator type. Generators are really here to respond to the environment around them. So you are a generator. And like you said, you'll know in the moment that it's a yes or a no for you, which speaks to what we call your authority. and. I would think, and I'll be curious to hear from you that your knowingness works in response to something happening in your life. So the manifestor just might be sitting there and all of a sudden it's like, I've got to create this thing or do this thing. It just comes through them like a wave. Whereas often what we find the best way, doesn't mean that that doesn't sometimes happen for other people as well, or other types, but a lot of the times generators work in response to something Mm -hmm. happening in their environment.
0: My message is fully in my mess, like my (laughs) purpose is in my path, the message is in the mess, like fully. Yeah.
1: Yes. And so what that looks like is like, let's say, for example, you were wanting to start your membership, right? That might be somebody says to you, have you ever thought about starting a membership? I'd love to do classes with you more regularly. And you're like, yep. And then you go, Mm -hmm. you know, in the moment Mm -hmm. that you can make that decision, right? Or something starts to appear in your environment and you get a response to it, right? Which is like, you've been thinking about doing a membership and then you keep getting emails about everyone else's membership. And you're like, yep, it's today's the day it's time to do it. Mm -hmm. So generators work in response generator types. Manifesting generators are a little bit different because they have a, a little bit of this, more of this informing power and enabling power as well, but they really still, in order to follow the way they're designed, they still need to be in response to something showing up in their environment. Projectors need to be recognized and invited. And so this means that they need a little bit more rest than the other types, but they are looking at the environment around them um, and the people around them and going, where is the energy calling me forward? Where am I getting recognized for who I am in my brilliance? And then reflectors are a little bit different because they don't have what we call a strategy, but they're lunar beings. Their energy is kind of run by the moon. So they need to take a little bit more time with their decision-making. So like I said, you're a generator and every type has your type and your authority. So your type speaks to, again, are you in response? Are you informing? Do you not have a strategy? You just have to wait or do you get invited? And your authority speaks to how you make decisions. So we have all different authorities in human design. You are a sacral authority, which means in the moment, you're going to get a gut yes or a gut no, or a gut aha uh-huh or gut uh-uh as they say it. You have access in the moment to your decision and you can make that decision and you can move with it. People who are emotional beings, which are 50% of the population, they actually need to sleep on their decisions and actually feel into their decisions over time.
0: And I will say the biggest thing that keeps me from totally moving forward with that yes or no is hurting someone's feelings. Yeah. And that's
1: what gets me into trouble. You have an open emotional center. And when you have an open emotional center, oftentimes you can feel other people's emotions and more intensely. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes people with emotional authority don't want to make an emotional person feel bad because when they make them feel bad, they also feel bad themselves because they can feel it so intensely in their bodies. Mm -hmm. And so even being able to have those energetic boundaries, or, you know, it makes me think of four agreements, which is like, take nothing personally, being able to be in that place of like, I'm not going to, I can't take this personally. I'm a screen. I'm not a sponge. I'm going to allow this energy to move through me easier said than done. Right. That's another practice, but it's a
0: practice, right? It's a practice just being able to recognize that maybe this is just an assumption, you know, that if I say no, they actually won't have their feelings hurt and they will actually understand, like, maybe I can give that person some credit, you know, for being a healed, mature person. And, you know, they're not going to actually get their feelings hurt. And I'm finding that as my vibration rises, the people that are, And my circle, which gets smaller and smaller actually are fine with me saying no, or fine with me saying yes, you know, or, and fine with me changing my mind too, Yeah, because that's something also that drops in very strongly for me is, you know, if something was right in the moment over time, it may change. And then I have got to have the strength to say, actually not anymore. This isn't working anymore. And yeah to be able to honor that which is which is tough.
1: Yeah, like the mantra becomes like it's safe for me to change my mind. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because like one of two things that comes to mind and this was actually it's interesting. Sometimes I don't know if you experience this but like a couple hours before I go into a a meeting or a session or something like stuff will start to come in and I was thinking about how even if someone gets triggered or upset or hurt in the moment that tension can also lead to transformation and how sometimes somebody's going to get upset or triggered because their ego was holding on to it has to be like this it needs to be like this it has to turn out like this and so even when someone's upset in the moment it really again comes back to this don't take it personally because that's their stuff exactly exactly rejection is redirection or you know changing yes. your mind it just it allows you to i don't know just have different experiences which is really empowering
0: Hey loves, just popping into the middle of this episode to talk about body acceptance. So I really struggled with body image issues for most of my life. And I cannot tell you how much my life has changed since learning how to accept and embrace my body exactly as is the body positivity journal by yours. Truly Megan Sylvester is available on Amazon and where all books are sold. This is a journal to boost self-love and acceptance through inspirational prompts and practices. So if you are ready to kickstart your body acceptance journey today, check the link in the show notes, click it and get the body positivity journal today with human design. I mean, I feel like human design is it's definitely its own podcast. Like we could do like five podcasts on human design, but For those of you who are interested in learning more about human design, it's a really, it's very empowering to kind of get to know your energy channels and what serves you and essentially what your superpowers are. And these superpowers may have been labeled as flawed or problematic by the society that we live in.
1: Totally.
0: Yeah. Like knowing how to shift, like when I know I go and like, I create. And like, I actually don't need other people's opinions of telling, you know, I'm just going straight forward. And I used to think like, oh, I'm so bad at like collaborating and partnerships, you know, but like, no, I just, I just very much know exactly what to do and take it and run with it, you know? And and then it can be very depleting and draining for me to constantly be like, Oh wait, let me let me slow down and stop. And so human design has helped me to really appreciate that facet of of who I am, you know, and to cultivate situations and circumstances for me to really allow that energy to fly and to soar.
1: Totally. And it's really cool too, because when I pulled up your chart, are you okay with me like saying it, Totally. A couple of points yeah, on your yeah, chart? yeah, for sure. It's really neat because the one thing that popped out to me about your chart. So you're a five, one peer generator, which means you're a sacral generator. So you've got that decision-making in the moment. And it's really cool because what I love about human design is there's natural tension built into the chart. And there's this natural tension within ourselves. And that to me is sort of that yin and yang kind of energy, but you're someone who's here to be a visionary leader With that as a fifth line, they call that the heretic in traditional human design. I practice a subset of human design called quantum human design, which was brought through Karen Curry Parker. And so she, you know, we talk about the fifth line is the visionary leader and they're, they're here to lead. They're here to lead the masses. And the first line likes to go really deep. So they have this you might go really deep into some of the practices that you learn, you know, like kundalini, like when you learn kundalini, you want to know the depths of kundalini. Every single thing. Yes. Mm -hmm. And there's this really neat tension that's built into your chart. And the gene keys is another iteration, sort of iteration of human design, but it really is based more on contemplation. And it was brought through Richard Rudd and his work. And it's really amazing. And I have just, I just listened to him speak this weekend at a conference. And so I've been like really into the gene keys. And what's really cool is the gene keys. When you get your free profile on genekeys.com it's going to pull up the first four numbers two on the right side, two on the left side of your human design chart. It's going to tell you about those numbers because those 70% of your energy goes into those first four numbers. And so your life personally is about enthusiasm like the work that you're here to do is about enthusiasm it's about this wanting to learn different skills and the power for you is not getting fixated or stuck on just one type or one practice but rather having a focus or an intention i guess you could say because you're you've got the 9 as your earth and so it's this energy of like staying focused not getting super distracted by all of the modalities and also not trying to pick one and make the modality the thing, but to make your life purpose be in alignment. And it's cool because you've got the 3410, and the 3410 is a channel. When I say like two numbers together, it's a channel, and these channels are this energy that we are constantly, whether we are aware. Of it or not, we're always putting out into the world around us. Other people feel them when they're in our energy, they experience these themes when they're around us. We have the opportunity to express it on the high side, like the high expression of it or the shadow expression. And we get to actually, human design isn't about this static thing that's like you express this energy in this way. It's this archetypical energy that you get to actually, like you said, dance with. And so you have the 3410 and the 3410 is called the channel of courage, but it's all about self love. And it's all about having the courage to take the right action for ourselves, being true to yourself, which I feel like, oh my gosh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's you. (laughs) Right. And I don't even know you that well, but I'm like, it's so you, do you find that you are visual or that you need to have your environment be like really beautiful or visually appealing for yourself?
0: Yes. I mean, if I'm looking at my office right now, I'm like, yes, mm -hmm. I'm definitely elevated by, well, and it's interesting because when I host retreats or, you know, lead classes or anything, I'm very into creating a full experience, you know, the aesthetic, the vibe, like that's very important to me of creating a full container to create like this bubble of an experience for everyone to reach Mm -hmm. their essential self for that, you know, that deep knowing of self. So just like everything you said, you know, about, you know, visionary leader, the experiential, the deep knowingness, it's just all like the self-love, like it all very much checks out, you know? And what's Mm -hmm. interesting is like the channel that you were talking about of sharing the illuminated side or the shadow side, something that I am committed to doing is not only talking about you know and i made it through and here's the awesome thing but like very much highlighting the insecurities and bullshit that i'm trying to move through and i'm committed to showing that to talking about that you know that vulnerability yep. aspect and for me sharing that aspect is has been so freeing and liberating and empowering and connecting me to the people that are a part of my community so Totally. I mean, the human design, there's like, it's legit.
1: <laughs> it's so legit. And it's cool too, because all of your arrows point to the right, your variables point to the right and the variables, when they all point to the right, there's like more of this feminine energy and this feminine way of doing things versus more of like a masculine or structured approach. And I think it's really neat too, because in a lot of ways, my teacher says, you know, when you've got your head center, your you have your Ajna, your Ajna connected to the throat. And then there's a separation. You have what's called split definition, which means you have a couple of centers that function together, they make a circuit. And then you have a couple more centers that make up another circuit, but they don't connect to each other. And she's often said that when there is that head and throat energy, and then this other energy in the body, these two separate circuits, that makes great teachers as well. And the fifth line, I feel like a lot of the times does lead by example. You know, they're not here to be perfect and everybody's going to get something different from you. Everybody's going to experience you in a different way and your teachings in a different way. And often the way that people see you has more to do with how they see themselves than how they actually see you. So a lot of the times you might find yourself being a cosmic mirror for other people.
0: Oh my gosh. My seal on the Mayan calendar is white cosmic mirror. There of course, go. right. Of course, yeah. it is. is another map for for people who are like, what? What did she just say? Yeah, wow, yeah. <laughs> super cool. It's also connected. Okay, I feel like we could talk about this forever and ever and ever. But as you guys can see, there really is something to human design, and it's not just like, oh, let me get my human design chart read. Is that even? I don't even know if that's the yeah. right terminology. No, it's like about understanding how to use this energy, to use this wisdom, to use this map to support you and your forward progression in life and to cultivate an appreciation for both the illuminated parts and the shadow parts of you, you know, and how to like really work with all of you and to appreciate how you operate. So, okay, let's wrap up by I'd love to know what does the word miracle mean to you?
1: So strange. I just talked about this word today. And I never talk about the word miracle. I have to ask myself that question in my body. What I'm hearing is like, it's a blessing beyond what the mind can comprehend. Like it's, it's something that the small mind can't comprehend happening, but that blesses your life in the moment with, you know, exactly what you need. Mm,
0: Beautiful. And exactly what we need may not be exactly what we want. (laughs) Or it might truth. They might align. <laughs> Every once in a while, those two things align. Um, well, this has been such a fascinating and illuminating conversation, one with so many tools and just getting to know us on a personal level. So I really appreciate your time and the work that you're doing in the world. We will include all of how to get in touch with Jess on Instagram. On her website. But I'd love for you to just share a little bit about how people can work with you on a deeper level, any offerings or programs that you have at the moment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, my company is called Love Your Woo. And so, a lot of what we do, we have different workshops. We call them woo shops because why not? Of course. Uh, Of course, we do. Uh, We have lots of woo shops that are going on where you can learn to really tap into and understand your intuitive gifts. In human design, I am a fourth line. So a lot of what I do is about bringing community together and bringing people together to find their people and find your crew of people who love the your woo crew. Um, so you can see we've got different classes and different experiences. We'll have some retreats um, launching end of the year, beginning of next year. So yeah, just a lot of exciting stuff to come. So I would say follow along on Instagram or head over to my website and you can check out what we've got coming up.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much. This has been so fun. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Bye. That's a wrap. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode of manifest miracles. Before you go, I've got some exciting news to share with you. In August, I will be launching your sacred space to activate and amplify your highest, truest self with Kundalini yoga. The Lotus Collective is a monthly membership consisting of high vibe and soul nurturing weekly kundalini and yoga meditation classes taught by me. These 30 to 45 minute classes will take you on a journey traveling through the depths of your consciousness, reaching down to that sacred divine feminine power within you. You'll leave each class with a clearer understanding of who you are, and what you're meant to do in this life, or at the very least, you'll feel a little better in your mind and body. So, like I said, this is an online community. It's an online membership with classes that will be recorded. So you can come to them anytime that you have the time you can practice once a week, or you can practice these classes and kriyas every single day. The membership will open in August. And for those who get on the waitlist, you'll get access to the founder's rate of only $12 a month or $99 a month for the entire year. So if this sounds like something that you've been calling into your life, check out the link below and the show notes for Lotus Collective Waitlist and get on it. Thanks, guys. Bye.